Pixel Sift is proudly supported by Murdoch University School of Arts, um, and they might have what you're looking for in a cre- in a creative degree. If you if you're keen to learn more, have a look at murdoch.edu.au forward slash arts to find out what they've got on offer. That's murdoch.edu.au forward slash arts, or you can search Murdoch University for more information. Murdoch University School of Arts proudly supporting Pixel Sift. Hello and welcome to Pixel Sieved, the show dedicated to indie games from around Australia and the world. My name is Mitch and with me tonight is my co-host Sarah. Thanks for joining me. It's good to be back, Mitch. It's been a little while. We have been on one of these together in forever. It's been, yeah, it's been ages since it's just been it's been the high school crew, which is which is pretty wild. Oh, that makes we it are. sound We're back again. That makes it sound real gross. Anyway, uh, our guest this week is Chris Anthony from Toge Productions in Indonesia. Hey, Anthony. Oh, sorry. Hey, hey, Chris. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us. And um, so Chris is here to talk about Coffee Talk, uh, the very recently released game um, on many different platforms, including PS4 and Steam. But before we get to that, what are we taking a look at, Sarah? So today we're going to be taking a look at the fact that Sony has once again chosen to skip E3 this year, which is either going to be a really bad move for their PR department or potentially the greatest move for their PR department ever. But we'll have to see what happens. Yeah, it's either one or the other. So uh, let's jump into it. Mitch, what's Discord? Discord is an online chat service that most gamers use. Incidentally, you can also use it to talk to us at pixelsiv.com.au forward slash Discord. Yeah, you can talk about uh, episodes, you can talk about upcoming topics, you can probably even coerce Mitch into playing a game with you online. That's not going to happen. That is going to happen. You're doing it. I'm saying that's happening. Sorry. Yeah, well... Join Discord. You should grow your beard back. pixelsiv.com.au forward slash Discord. So Sony is going to be absent from E3 for the second year in a row, which is prompting some questions to the relevance of the big blown up spectacle that we all stay up for every year. And I know I certainly I do. The last few years, E3 has definitely been like the thing that, you know, I'm excited to come home from work to. I jump on social media. I'd see what everyone's getting excited about. I'd pick the, the trailers that I personally wanted to see of the games that, you know, I was most excited for, the things that had gotten announced that day, you know, after I got home from my eight hour, I'd be like, oh, what's what's come out, what's come out. But when companies like Sony pull out, it really does make you think, is this really what the gaming uh, industry needs or is this potentially something unnecessary? Or Uh, is it more a reflection on Sony, I suppose, like basically taking a step away from such an important event historically? I'm kind of with Sony a little bit on this one. I've found the egregiousness of E3 a bit annoying over the past couple of years. Like it's just been like... Oh, great. It's a massive festival and it's just a bunch of trailers, which I'm going to see in you- on YouTube later on that day, not at 3 a.m. on our time when, you know, it's happening. And I don't really care what the CEOs have to say. I just want to see the latest cinematic trailer for Overwatch. That's pretty much all I want to see. 
Absolutely, but potentially, you know, Sony, like companies can also do that um, irrespective of there being an E3 event. I definitely feel like E3 is a good way to pull a lot of stuff together, but we all know in the world of, of games and marketing, you know, lining up your key dates for release and announcement can be crucial for the marketing campaigns of games and their future success. What's interesting is um, uh, with through Polygon, in a statement to Polygon, a Sony spokesperson said, after thorough evaluation, SIE has decided not to participate in E3 2020. So it's obviously not something that a decision that they've taken lightly at all. They say that we have great respect for the ESA as an organization, but we do not feel the vision of E3 2020 is the right venue for what we are focused on this year. We will build upon our global event strategy in 2020 by participating in hundreds of consumer events across the globe. Our focus is on making sure fans feel part of the PlayStation family and have access to play their favorite content. We have a fantastic lineup of titles coming to PlayStation 4. With the upcoming launch of PlayStation 5, we are truly looking forward to a year of celebration with our fans. Now, I find that very interesting because that clearly kind of shows that Sony are very interested in breaking away from E3, but potentially like what you were saying, Mitch, E3 pulls people in and, you know, I watch E3 and I'm not particularly interested in what Blizzard has to say, but I'll watch their trailers because I'll be like, wow, this looks cool. So, Chris, so, as as someone who's recently joined the PlayStation family and the, you've recently released the game on PlayStation, yeah. how, what, what are your, what's your perspective on the whole, like, PlayStation skipping E3 as, as in, from an indie perspective? Yeah. So, I think... Um... Just because I think this is, is very smart on their side, uh, because like during E3 they're competing with so many you know big companies. So like the cost of like marketing the, for the for the slots and everything it must be like super super high. So I think just by distributing it to other events they you know they don't compete as much. So they can I think they could get you know more um, attention that way and with less cost. Um, comparing to just going to E3, right? And, well, I don't really know what their intentions are, but the fact that people are talking about they're not going to E3, I think that's a good PR move, right? Um, so, yeah, that's that's what I think. If if Toge Productions was ever in the position to to present at E3, is that something that, that you'd be excited to do? Or would you be more like Sony in the sense that you... or And that you wouldn't, yeah. you wouldn't be... <laughs> In that kind if, of position. if I have to pay it myself, no, because it would be like very expensive. But if like a like a triple A or like a huge publisher is paying for for me, then it's fine. I'll I'll, I'll do it, right? But if, if when when we during like marketing events or like going to events um, from from the developer or like publisher's perspective, is that basically they're like calculating like how much cost I'm gonna spend versus like the number of people that are going to you know that the traffic that I'm gonna get uh, from 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 the event. So like during E3, like because like there's so many companies doing th- at the same time, so they're like competing with time, and so they have to spend more, right, to get you know more attention from the media, from 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 the press and everything. So I think the cost is, has been like super super super, you know, like it's it's climbing like crazy. So I think if, if they go to another event, then that could be distributed or like. Um, so that they don't have to spend as much, but they still get the same amount of traffic or like you know attention from from all these other media and, and consumers. Do you think E3 has a future? I think they will still you know 
I don't think E3 is gonna get like go away anytime soon. They're they're still like one of the biggest events, especially because it's like a, a huge B two B, you know, business to business in terms of like uh, the game industry, uh, for for the the practitioners to meet and talk business. Um, and they they also now opening to like consumer more consumer um, friendly event. So I think in that sense, the E3 is still you know very strong. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's just for 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 Sony. I think they they want to spend you know they want to allocate their marketing budget more effectively. I would say. As a developer, you know we all know like Nintendo's taken their own you know pathway and they've kind of forged the way I think for developers breaking away from large press conferences. You know, um, Nintendo whenever they do a huge announcement, everyone is talking about it, everyone knows about it. Do you think PlayStation? potentially has that same opportunity to become what Nintendo's become? And do you think, you know, potentially every company could have their own version of Nintendo Direct in the future if they all eventually mm. break away from E3? Or do you think E3 is something that we kind of need to pull things together? Hmm. Interesting question. So I think they could definitely do something like Nintendo Direct on their own, right? But if, like, every company start doing the same thing and at the same time, then we're going to have, like, the same problem again. So right now, I think it's still doable. Um, because not not many you know companies do that, but yeah, I guess we'll have to see. We'll have to see. It's all about getting those eyeballs on screens, isn't mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. Do Do you think any other companies will will shun E three next year, or even they might? It's still it's still pretty early on. I think E three is in June. Like, do you think mm-hmm. other people could pull out before then? Hmm. I think like at the moment because there there's a huge spot you know uh, left by Sony, right? So probably. No, not, they they will not leave. But I think there there will be like other companies that will take that spot instead. Um, yeah. So earlier we put out a talkback question onto our social media, and we asked the world, "What is your favorite E3 moment ever?" And we got a, a some really interesting variants in the responses. Mm-hmm. So Oscar Britton on Twitter said, giant enemy crab. And I'd say, although I don't personally remember it, I know exactly what he's talking about. And there's a little, little Artorius is hanging out with me. So definitely, you know, um, anytime FromSoft have made a crazy announcement, it's always been a personal favorite for me because it's been something quite exciting and something that, you know, you never know much about when they first mention it. And crabs are just great. Jason Head on Facebook says that their favorite moment was um, the short zero information trailer for the Elder Scrolls Six. I still get hyped thinking about it. Best 30 seconds of my life. Yeah, especially I think what's fun about E3 is when you get these crazy trailers where they give you no information, but it's almost like the the name of the series or the weight of the, the company behind it is enough to kind of make you go, I want more, I want more. And sometimes less definitely is more in the case of game trailers. And Ultima Odin, through our Discord, um, was uh, expressing their frustration with how they don't like that everyone's breaking away from E3. They say, it feels like the corporations are being a little less. Not sure how to explain it, but not like cooperative or that sort of thing. Rather than be about the games they are releasing and the technology as a whole, it's about them as a company now. Don't get me wrong, there's always a rivalry, but this just feels like, no, screw the industry, we are doing our own thing now. I know Nintendo Semi started the trend, but it just doesn't feel like a positive thing. And Sony's last solo thing sucked. I think there's definitely some weight in that because, you know, E3 is an event that pulls companies together. 
And I think, you know, when you are, when you're all rivals, but you have an event that kind of pulls yourself together, it gives you an opportunity to um, show what you have that is competition to everyone. And for the consumers and for stakeholders, it gives you an opportunity to see everything laid out on the table all at once, which I think can be very, very beneficial and very helpful. It, it, it does seem like, it does seem like that's the one thing a year where everybody yeah. kind of works together, even if it is to Absolutely. outdo each other. Absolutely. And I think there's something really positive in that because there's always been some friendly rivalry, maybe some not so friendly rivalry in things. But I think there is some some weight in potentially not being a good thing if everyone eventually breaks away from E3. Cool. Well, I've officially gotten sick of E3 just talking about it. So I think I've had enough until June. But uh, let's move right along uh, to talk about Chris, Chris's game, Tokyo Productions and Coffee Talk. Australia's best video game podcast. Subscribe to Pixel Sift on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever podcasts are found. So, uh, we're joined today by Chris Anthony from Tokyo Productions to talk about the brand spanking new Coffee Talk. I think it came out under, or just under yesterday, yeah, 48 hours ago. Uh, so, uh, Chris, for those of us who might be watching or might be experiencing the show later, um, what is Coffee Talk? So, Coffee Talk is um, heart-to-heart, you know, barista simulation game. It's basically like a visual novel combined with uh, bartending simulation, um, kind of like Valhalla. Uh, but here, um, we set the game in like a alternate present day where elves, orcs, dwarves, and mermaids and vampires all live together with humans. So um yeah it's uh it's actually a like the result of our internal game jam that we did in our company uh back in 2017. And the original idea was like we wanna we want to replicate the feeling of like watching the rain while holding a cup of warm drink warm drink and listening to conversations. So that's that's like the the the, ba- the basic idea of the game. Uh what was your main so like what was what was one of the biggest challenges you faced faced while making the game? So in the beginning like uh we thought like oh this is going to be like a super easy game to make like uh we're going to finish this in like 3 months. Okay. Uh but turns out like during development writing stories is very very hard. It's like I think it's even harder uh, com- compared to making the mechanics because we kind of finished like the, the whole game mechanics in like maybe two months, three months. We have like everything there, but writing the stories and having that, um, making the characters relatable is really, really hard. And it took us almost maybe two years, more than two years to finish writing the game. Um, so that's that has been like a very huge challenge for us, um, the writing. Yeah, was there always so, was sorry, oh, sorry no, Sarah, was there always a plan to have the fantasy element? Because um, when I I'll admit when I um mm-hmm. was researching the game, I didn't quite realize there was a fantasy element until I started playing it, and I was like, oh, mm-hmm. this this is this is so much richer than I thought it was going to be. This is this is amazing. Like I and I I just thought, well, when was it was there always meant to be a fantasy element? Yeah, um, the fantasy element is is there since since the beginning, um, because we wanted basically that we wanted to like kind of like create a a mirror to our own real world, and we wanna we wanna talk about like sensitive topics, uh, 
that might people you know some people might not feel comfortable but when we you know when we change the characters uh, into like elves and you know dwarves and orcs it's it becomes easier to to talk to to talk about right so that's that's why we we choose the, the fantasy theme um and also like the the alternate modern day society in the game so saying that the game came initially from an internal game jam how different does the final product look to the game that came out of your game jam all those years ago wow it's like super well in terms of the the mechanic i think the mechanic is kind of similar but in terms of like the art the art style um and also like uh maybe the the vibe i don't like the and and the dialogues it's it's completely different um and we we added the latte art mechanic probably just like five months before we actually released the game, or yeah, it's like closer to the release date. Um, so there's a there's a lot of you know um, a lot of changes you know from from the from the early stage to the final product. I I really wanted to know because I love the latte art element of it. Was that a difficult feature to implement when you were developing the game? No, actually, we we kind of like made the the latte art mechanic in just one day. Um, one super, day, wow! Yeah, in That's one day, awesome. but yeah. but you know, tweaking the like the 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 variables of like how like you know how fluid the liquid is, like or like how thick or how you know like the viscosity or whatever. It took us like maybe three months to to really feel like oh, this is like you know, it kind of like feel like latte. Um, yeah, it took a while to to get that feeling down to what we got in the game. So uh, but yeah, the, the mechanic is like a day. So uh, thanks for watching Pixel Sift. If you're joining us on one of our live platforms, uh, we're talking to Chris Anthony about Toge Productions Coffee Talk. Uh, so, so speaking of Toge Productions, how how long ago did the uh, did the studio form? We basically uh, we started in two thousand and nine. Um, it was just me and a friend from uni, um, and making flash games in our bedroom. <laughs> um, so that was two thousand and nine, and we decided to make it as a like a real uh, full time job as a company in two thousand and ten. So it's been I think it's been yeah more than ten years now. Well, was that scary moving from let's let's say just like making games at home mm-hmm. to uh to make to making games as like a, a full company uh yeah funny thing is like back then we were so naive uh we didn't think much of it like hey th- making games is fun you know let's let's make a company okay and then we we registered it as a company and then within our first year of you know being registered as a company we we found out like oh now we have to do corporate taxes and we have to do like uh insurance oh wow okay we didn't think about it you know before we registered but yeah and then we have to like learn a lot of things um on how to run a company uh how to run a business and especially in indonesia there's a lot of you know like red tape uh that we have to do uh so yeah we have to learn pretty fast but it's it's been i think it's been a, a very fun roller coaster ride so are the drinks in Coffee Talk all real or did you have a bit of artistic liberty with some of them when you were developing it? Yeah, um, 
the the ones that the, the special drinks that gets registered in your brew pad, uh, most of them are real. Um, it's based on actual drinks um, that's that you can find on the internet, and even I think the recipes are are available on the internet. Um, I think we do have one or two drinks that's purely fantasy. Um, but I'm gonna I'm I'm not gonna spoil. But yeah, uh, most of the drinks are are real. Uh, what has the reception been like? It's been out for um just over mm-hmm. a day, pretty much. So, mm-hmm. what what's it been like? What have you heard? Well, wow, it's a uh, it's been I think it's been amazing. Like a lot of people really love the game, and uh, it's very positive on Steam right now. I think everybody like it's it's been super positive. So we are very happy for, with the result. Um, yeah, some of some people feel like uh, there there's some what do you call it like well yeah the game's not perfect uh, we we have to admit that and um, there's some there there's a lot of challenges in in you know re- making the game so I think from our uh, from our perspective like it's better to release the game than just to keep polishing it because you'll never you know you'll never finish and so. We we hopefully we can make a new, another one you know and and keep making games and keep improving on every iteration. Um. So, how many characters are there in the game that you could potentially interact with? I think it's about thir- thirteen or fourteen characters in the game. Whoa. Yeah. And funny story, like when we when we designed the characters. Uh, Actually, it's it's all based on real actual people in our camp in our company. Uh, so each character and their personality is based on an actual person, and the struggles that they're experiencing is actually based on real ex- uh, personal experiences. Um, because like when we when we were writing, um, basically the, the the writer and the the director of the game, uh, Fahmi Hasni. Um, he had he had a, a writer's block during development, right? So uh, we couldn't pro- progress. So we thought, like, okay, how do we overcome this? And we do role uh, role play sessions in the company. So we assigned everyone in the company a character in the game that fits their personality. And we just okay, now you talk about this topic, and we put together everybody in the room, and we we just start uh, talking and chatting, and we record all the conversation, and that um, got adapted into the game, and that also helped form the characters, helped form uh, the storyline um, uh, for for the whole yeah, basically for the whole game. So, so yeah. so Chris, who are you in Copy Talk? <laughs> no, I'm not gonna spoil. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, yeah, you have to find out yourself, I guess. Nice. So, uh, do do you have a favorite character? Yeah, my favorite character is Neil, the alien astro- uh, astronaut. Um, yeah, he's just so funny. Oh, uh, we we met him toward the end of our playthrough mm-hmm. last night. Yeah, that was, he's quickly becoming my favorite. Mm-hmm. So, did you or anyone else on the development team have any direct coffee shop experiences, or do you know anyone closely that's worked in a coffee shop? And if so, did it help? Or like, how did it come into play in the development of the game? Yeah, so I I personally don't go to coffee shops as often. Um, but 
Fahmi, um, the writer and the director, basically he lives in a coffee shop. So he, he, a coffee shop is basically like his second home. So he he works remotely and he loves being there. So uh, I think like all the inspirations and all the the references uh, is based on his actual experience watching baristas um, or watching people in in the coffee shop. Um, yeah, and I think he's the only person in the in the development team that really really loves coffee. Other people are just example like like me and myself. I I'm more like a tea person. I don't really drink coffee. Um, but yeah, uh, we we basically we try to um, observe baristas and we watch YouTube videos on how they they do things and we try to adapt that into the game. So Chris, I've got a uh, question from Potato Seagull in our Twitch chat, and uh, they are asking, uh, "What game do you plan on making in the future?" Okay, um, so we we are currently actually we're, we're working on several games at the moment. Uh, one game called Necronator Dead Wrong is available. No, not not available. It's coming out soon on Steam Early Access in February thirteenth. It's a, basically it's a real-time strategy game uh, combined with card building, uh, deck building mecha- mechanics. So kind of like uh, a tower defense combined with Slate Aspire card mechanics. And we we have two other narrative games. One is a space for the Unbound. Uh, you can actually play the prologue, free prologue chapter on Steam. It's available now. Um, it's about like a 30-minute demo. Um, it it tells a story of like a, a high school kid in Indonesia. So the setting is like 90s Indonesia, um, and it talks about um, like I don't know, like anxiety, depression, and uh, basically um, how you feel, uh, you know, like pressured uh, by society to do something, and then um, overcoming that. So that's uh, and. The game also have like supernatural elements uh, mixed in. Totally on yeah, brand. Yeah. T- totally on brand yeah. for Toge. <laughs> so yeah, that's a that's actually we're we're collaborating with a studio in Surabaya um, called Mojiken. So Mojiken is actually the creator of She and the Lightbearer and a Raven's Monologue. So they are uh, very, you know, they, their expert expertise is in making uh, narrative games that aren't using text or you know like is, is that Brigitte, like a, is that Brigitte Arena's uh, team yeah so Reina's also working on another game so we have a lot of games so <laughs> Reina is working on a, another game called when the past is, was around that's her new game and space for the unbound is being made by basically um, Eka uh, which is also in Mojiken so Mojiken is working on two games uh, at the same time right now um, but yeah, the whole team is basically like they help each other and they share ideas and they basically collaborate, you know, in, in making both games. Is that common for game development in Indonesia? Like uh, a lot of collaboration between studios and individuals? Yeah, yeah, I think it's uh, it's quite common because like in Indonesia, we don't have like uh, big studios, you know, big companies that, um, that uh, even like we don't have uh, publishers. I think only Toge Productions that, publish Indonesian games right now. Um, so a lot of like the, the the studios are actually very small indie teams. 
So they collaborate with each other. Uh, they share ideas. Uh, we we even have like a, a a Discord group that we can post a game demos and get um, roasted by everybody else in the, in the group, and we can improve those games. You know, um, yeah, it's very it's been very supportive community. So what what do you think is the most unique thing about Indonesian game development? Huh. What's the most unique thing? Uh, I think like um, for for a lot of Indonesian developers, we we try to to add or like to to insert Indonesian culture within our games. Um, and sometimes it's very subtle. Sometimes it's very obvious. But I think we always do that. You know, add something Indonesian in the game. I want to bring it, bring the conversation back to coffee, uh, back to coffee talk for a second. Um, we we didn't we didn't discuss the music in coffee talk yet, um, oh, yeah. and uh, that's one of the things that stood out for me. So, can you tell me more about uh, the music and how that was made? Mm-hmm. So the the music composer for coffee talk is Andrew Jeremy. He is actually also the game's uh, project manager, um, and he is a super super talented uh, musician. He's been doing you know music since I, I think high school or something like that and um he's been basically composing all the music uh tokyo productions games music uh, games basically um so the idea for coffee talk is we want to have a very chill and relaxing vibe and what's best to you know deliver that vibe than lo-fi chill hop music right and so we gave andrew a challenge like hey you have to learn how to make lo-fi chill hop music within like a few weeks and <laughs> he pulled it off like because he never he never made you know music like lo-fi um before before coffee talk so basically like hey andrew could you make this like okay um, and then like less than a week and then okay this is a sample is it okay and it's like wow okay okay we're gonna have this um so the i don't know his process i think he he tries to listen to other lo-fi music like uh, Chill Cow, I think, in, on YouTube, and just you know like list, keep listening, and then trying to observe or like ob- absorb uh, the elements. I don't, know, I, I guess. I just uh, got one comment from a potato seagull, as, uh, and they say, "Okay, I'm getting it now," <laughs> in, the, in our in our <laughs> Twitch chat. So, one more player of Coffee Talk. Uh, so. Uh, that's about all we've got time for today. Um, thank you very much uh, um, for joining me, Chris. Thank you. Thank you and, for uh, having me. And thanks for joining me, Sarah. Thank you. It's been good to be back. Yeah, it has been great to be back. Um, so if you want to find out more about Coffee Talk, um, you can find it on the it's itch.io page. Uh, you can search Coffee Talk, no space, underscore game on Twitter. And uh, you can also check it out on Steam. Uh, it's available right now, and it's also available on PS4, um, and pretty much all the other platforms. Did I miss one, Chris? And Switch? Yeah, like Nintendo Switch, Xbox. Yes. Uh, yeah, basically all of them. All of them. It's on everything. Uh-huh. Go get it. No excuses. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, thank you very much uh, for watching and listening uh, to episode 139 of Pixel Sift. Uh, this episode was hosted by myself, Mitch Lowe, and Sarah. And uh, thanks for joining me tonight, Sarah. 
Thank you for having me, Mitch. And Pixel Sift is produced by a team of people, um, Scott Quigg, Sarah Island, Fiona Bartholomeus, myself, Mitchell Lowe, Daniel Ang, and our executive producer is Gianni Di Giovanni. He's actually on the video switcher at the moment, so if I look terrible today, it's his fault. Um, so we wouldn't be able to make 139 episodes of Pixel Sift if we didn't have the support of Murdoch University, so go check them out and tell them we sent you. If you're keen to learn more about a great creative degree, head to murdoch.edu.au forward slash arts. That's Mur- Murdoch.edu.au forward slash arts. So, as always, we'll be sticking links uh, to everything we've talked about up on the notes of our website, pixelsieve.com.au. And, uh, yeah. So you should also come and join us on Discord because we'd love to have you there. That's pixelsift.com.au forward slash Discord, where you can share your creative work, talk about topics and games and anything else, and even join us on Community Days. We've started hosting them every Saturday, so you should come and play some games with us. So check out the Discord. Just know more about that. That's pixelsift.com.au forward slash Discord. And also, if you like what we do, can we ask you a favor? We need your help to share the show. So tell a friend, subscribe your brothers and sisters don't tell them they'll be surprised it'll be great they'll love you for it start someone's journey into podcasts because we know that gets scary sometimes and it's a bit tricky to get started but once they're in they'll love it because let's face it we're the best we're australia's favorite gaming podcast so of course <laughs> anyone's gonna love it but and, <laughs> so yeah definitely definitely give us a hand there we really appreciate it and uh what you can find on our website you can find um, a very neat article um put together by gianni and jason our writing team about the list of games that were released last year in 2019 from every australian game uh that was released in 2019 and if we missed one let us know Our next episode will be on the 13th of February, but if you join us this time next week on the 6th, we'll be having a Pixel Sip Plays where we play some of the indie games we feature on our show. Uh, Thank you very much for joining me once again, Chris and Sarah. Thanks for having me. Thank you. All right, we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Hi Pixel Sift listeners, my name's Ben, I'm one of the hosts and the Dungeon Master of How to Win Loot and Influence Dragons. It's a Dungeons and Dragons actual play comedy slash storytelling podcast. That basically means I sit around with some of my best friends, these idiots, and I am your first mate, Jackson Usit. Thomas Horatio Hornblower Owen. Whoa. Grace the Kraken, Chapo! <laughs> and we play Dungeons and Dragons together. Everybody roll initiative, we're going in here. Mine's 11. 19. That's a two! <laughs> <laughs> Telling a collaborative fantasy story whilst trying to make each other, and you, laugh. I feel like we should include that and just see if we get away with it. Oh, I'm definitely going to include that. <laughs> <laughs> we explore a world known as Carthus, and we try and balance the rules-heavy D&D actual play stuff with storytelling, comedy, and fun. If you're into nerdy stuff, or if you're just into good friends hanging out, you'll probably like it. We're quite close to the end of our current story. Story, and it is one continuous narrative, so if you're looking for a place to jump in, I'd recommend listening to Chapter Zero at the very start of the feed, which gives you a bit of background and some ideas for places to start with the show. That's How to Win Loot and Influence Dragons from the Curio Network. Check us out wherever you get your podcasts or at curionetwork.com. <laughs>